0: Hi guys, we're here again at Dragon Meet, and this time we
1: have the author of uh, Black Hack, David Black. How are you doing? Very well, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. It's good to see you, David. So, like, um, people are talking about you today. Are they?
2: I don't know what you've heard. Is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? You tell me. I think
1: it's a good thing. You're, you're a name on everybody's lips. So, is this your first Dragon Meet?
2: No, I've um, been coming the last couple of years. Yeah. Sort of three years, I suppose, is my total run time. Um, this is, I guess, the first year where we've started seeing stuff... You know, like Peter, Peter Reagan from Square Hex and stuff like that. It's like the first time that I've started seeing stuff flourishing, as it were, um, or started seeing popping up. So it's kind of, I've been feeling the effects, if you will. Over the last couple of years, I've just been sort of hiding in the background. Do you know what I mean? Like, keeping myself (laughs) to myself.
1: I think for a man who describes himself as hiding in the background, I would say your game (laughs) has done anything but hide in the background. Yes. You may have
2: kick-started a bit of a revolution. Over the, definitely over the, well, when it first kicked off, for sure. I think the, um, the, I don't know what you'd call it, the impetus behind everyone doing their own individual hacks has sort of subsided a little bit for a time. I think there was at one stage where it was like the top ten on yeah. drive-through RPG was, every single one was something hack, something, something hack. So, yeah, it's definitely sort of kick-started something. How did that make you feel when you saw all that happening without your name on the front? Um, yeah, so I've had conversations about that. It, no, it's good, though, because I suppose if you want to speak to the commercialist side of it, it all kind of comes back to me. Everyone sort of says, oh, oh, this is the thing you've done? Where did that come from? Oh, it's a, a spin-off from The Black Hack. And because The Black Hack is only sort of, you know, a $2 punt or whatever it was at the time, inevitably they end up picking a copy of that. So that's nice. Um but, yeah, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag. Because sometimes you'll see things that you, choices that you wouldn't have made, game design-wise. But then that's, you know, you can't control that. You just have to kind of let it... It's like your child. You just have to let it run free and be itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, where did the black hat come from? What was the impetus to make you write yours? Because everybody else has written theirs because you did yours. But where did it start? Um, it was... Yeah, it's an interesting one, and the character that we were just speaking to, which obviously anyone listening to this won't know, Mick Reddick, was a bit of a bit of a face on the UK scene. Um,
1: More of a voice than a face, so I think. You wouldn't mind me saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, you wouldn't want to comment too much He's about his face. He's a great face for podcasting. Yes, yes, <laughs> got a face for radio. Yeah, definitely. Um, he was the one who said, "Oh, this is you know, this has got legs. This is a goer. You should do something with this." But and some of the early reviews of the Black Hack. A very on point it was a set of house rules yeah and that's that's what it was for the longest period of time originally it was called roll below because that's the core mechanic okay um and it just started off as that you know a set of house rules that i compiled because i don't like modifiers i don't like a bunch of different things um and just sort of started cobbling together brought that along to my very first dragon meet obviously having met people over g plus and then people sort of said you know that actually that's got some legs that's actually all right that's you know that you could package that up um and then i sort of cobbled that together into sort of like a 24 page pdf or whatever it was and then peter reagan from square hex because up until that point that there was never any intention to sort of be a games designer or Mm -hmm. make a game obviously that's what i was doing but it wasn't like a you know this is you know i'm going to I'm going to make a board game or I'm going to make a role-playing game. I'm going to set out and make this thing and set out all the parameters and, and hit that thing. It was just like something I was doing for fun for my particular table. Um, and then Peter Reagan saw it and said, you know what, I'd publish that. And because that obviously sounded very effort-free on my part. <laughs> I'd sort of went, oh, okay, well, you know, crack on and have at it. And, and, that's, and it's then taken a life of its own, as it were, and sort of spiralled off into what it is now, basically. Cool.
1: So how have you spent your millions?
2: Uh, yes. <laughs> of experience how have points. I, <laughs> millions of experience points. Yeah, carousing. Nice. nice. Is, the, is the correct answer for that, yeah, how you spend I, XP.
1: Roll on the hats
2: table and the gin table. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. the way to spend it. Um, no, I mean, it hasn't been a... And obviously you sort of talk about the dirty thing called money, but it's, it's such a small thing with such a low barrier for entry, the $2 or whatever it was, that it hasn't been a huge earner. Everything yeah. that's kind of been piled back into either getting art done for the next version of it or getting layout done for the next version of it, it hasn't been a big earner, but it's just been nice to sort of see that uh, as, a, as a signal of people's appreciation, that they like it. You know, if someone, yeah. someone likes something enough to even two quid or whatever it is to spend money on it, well...
0: Much like our patrons for podcasting. Yeah, exactly. Just like nice your, takeaway, your
2: very sort of uh, <laughs> tasteful... And uh, lovely patrons and people who, you, yeah. you know, when people come back to you and say, Oh, I bought this thing of yours, it's decent, yeah. you know, that makes you feel good. So, um, yeah,
0: yeah. It, it was a real thing. I was at an expo think, a year or two ago and Black Hack was available. But, I mean, it's not like uh, a massive book that's, you know, like if you look at some of the stands we've got behind us in Dragon Meat, I mean, our listeners can't see them. Um, but there's like big, cool things, there's whole big tray stands, but the Black Hack's just like a little A5 black. You know, a lot yeah. of pamphlets, I think. But people are going mental Mendel for it at Expo. You have much bigger queues for the Black hack than you did for the latest Cthulhu release or something like that, for example. Which really? seems to me... Yeah, well, you sound as surprised as I was a little well, bit. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't there.
2: That was the thing. That was, the one, that was one of the ones that I was hoping to attend um, and just couldn't make it. So I kind of... You don't sort of see that stuff. So it, a lot of that... Not success, because that kind of sounds like I'm doing smoke at my own whatever. But you, that just kind of passes you by and you just you see your own table, your own players, and that you know you don't really see that sort of stuff. Sure. So it's kind of nice to hear it, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so I think one of the, the things that people like about it is it's quite stripped down on the rest of it, but you're doing a second edition that's got more stuff in. So how do you go about getting more stuff in yet keeping it to the core of what people like about it?
2: Yeah, so you don't is the answer. <laughs> um, so we were, we were having a conversation earlier, because I've got a copy, and I'll show you guys cool. once we've done this. I've got a copy of the second edition. The, the actual rules segment isn't much bigger, if any bigger at all, because that's what people... One of the things that was over and over again with people saying was I like the brevity of it, like the terseness of the rules. Yeah. Um, so I've kept that. I haven't changed that. I felt no... Ne- I mean, there are additional things like um, I've now got a much more solid system for working out experience with carousing and stuff like that. But that takes a, a page, you know, tops. So the, the rules pretty much are still that core, digestible 24 pages or whatever. The rest now is just tools for the GM or whoever's running the game to sort of prep games or what I like to do is just make stuff up on the cuff at the table. So a lot of it is like um, tables where you'll take a D4 or a D6, a D8, handful of them, you know, up to a D12 and just drop them and then that gives you contents of a hex or a contents of like a settlement or whatever it is and I've tried to, I mean it's impossible to, but I've tried to cover as many bases as possible um, for different scenarios, different things that you might come up with as a GM, where you're left scratching or you've got half an hour before the beginning of the game, because let's face it, if a, if a GM's going to prepare, or a GM's running a module they don't need that, but it, it's really aimed at those sort of people that need that half an hour head start or that sort of like, like we were earlier today where someone needed just a room to come up with so you just drop a bunch of dice on the table and it gives you something, it's obviously never going to be fully fleshed out to the point where you might get in an old module or something like that but it's going to give you enough that I think if you're comfortable with the black hack anyway you're going to be filling in the blanks yourself and wanting to put your own stamp on it so you know it's giving you a framework to work with and that's pretty much what the remainder of the book is you've got like 24 pages there or thereabouts of rules and then a hundred more pages of tables, tools and various bits and bobs the idea being that I can then come along to the next Dragon Meet or the next Expo with the finished book and run a game using nothing else but that book. So it's entirely selfish and motivated for me, you know, no one else, but hopefully someone else will get some benefit out of it.
0: To us the lazy GM. an noticed lurking behind us amongst all the screaming fangirls and the people we've got around us, Chris <laughs> McDowell will do right into the yard.
3: Chris McDowell. Yeah, that's what I said. We'll edit that in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's improvisational,
3: that's how we roll. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I rolled a D4 on a table, that's what he told me. <laughs> that's it, yeah, you, you got closer than other people have with my name, that's for sure. Yeah, I was just hearing how it's done from uh, from yeah. David, obviously uh, with the big success of the Black Hack, despite your review. You're in the same boat, though,
1: aren't
3: you? you working on a second
1: <laughs> try? Yeah, yeah so I,
3: I have a draft hidden away in here. Electric um,
1: Bastion Land, there you go so Electric that.
3: Bastion Land is the working title, yeah. It might change. Um, it's essentially the system's going to be the same with a few tweaks... But it's mainly just to put some more meat on the bones in terms of um, a few little extras when you create your character. Yeah. So you get a bit of a more interesting character. So we played a bit of a playtest today. So yeah, David did, ended yeah. up with a professional gambler. Yeah. So he had some bird darts. He could have ended up as a professional conquer player instead. Street snooker. Street snooker, wasn't it? Yeah, that was um, the one I was gutted. And there's a, there's a hundred of these character backgrounds that you could potentially get. Um But the the rules, on top of that, really, it's it's the same into the odd system, but a bit more guidance on how to actually prepare
2: a game, how to actually run a game. It feels like what Chris is doing is is because Chris and I sort of do our bits and bobs together and sort of talk and stuff. We kind of think along the same tracks, and it feels very similar. Excuse me, in the sense that the book still is very light in terms of rules. That's not a bad thing, but it's just you know it's what you need. The rest is just giving you an armory of awesome things to inject into a game you know yeah
3: it's to give you a bit more inspiration yeah. um, one of the rules that I have written in the front is um, uh, I credited this to Arnold Kemp I don't know if he actually came up with this on Goblin Punch but um, the rule is is this better than what you could just come up with at the table right so a lot of random tables you'll see there'll be 20 entries but they're not really any more interesting than so if it's 20 different backgrounds and it's like Blacksmith Fletcher yeah, yeah. it's like I could probably just blag that Yeah. but you're not going to think at the table a professional street snooker player um, so if it's going to be in there, it has to be something that's a bit more interesting or a bit more different than what you would normally just come up with, blagging it at the table. I've got to say, guys, I mean, I'm going to be a bit like, bum-licky here. I hope you don't mind. I'm at
1: one no, point no, in. But as long as it's
0: not literal. Slightly.
1: That's the only yeah. reason I come to this. <laughs> <laughs> but your blog post, when you like publish like one page of your thinking, is more than I get out Wizards of the Coast in six months. There is so much inspiration. It is like concentrated orange juice of gaming.
3: You need to add water to it, which is like yeah, your real table. The benefit is I'm not paid by the word. So I think um, if you <laughs> work for Wizards, I think that that's how it works. Sure. Um, and I think there's something to be said for that. But that. Um, yeah.
1: is, is short gaming the way to go, though? Like being terse, getting it all done in one sentence? Well, is that the way? It's
3: purely selfish because I think I really struggle to read long books. Uh, I'm no good at reading novels. And if I have a big rule book, it just takes me a while to get through it. I like to sort of get things really trimmed down. So pretty much everything in this book is going to be almost like bullet points. Yeah. So a lot of it is just three three bullet points for each section, and that's what you need to know. Um, but yeah, I think that it's, it's a very specific thing. I think it's not going to be for everyone, but there's definitely a gap out there for short, terse products that still have a bit of flavour to them.
2: I think for me, one of the things that you'll notice, especially when you look at like the, uh, the broadsheet of RPG stuff, which would be like Wizards and stuff like that, is that they're just... And again, you know, your mileage might vary, but for me it's not usable at the table. I have to spend a lot of time yeah. beforehand with post-it notes or with highlighters deconstructing this thing. And the thing that I f- you'll find that a lot of sort of what Chris does and what I do is these, these sort of books and games are geared towards to take directly from wherever you've just bought it to a gaming table, open it up and just start cracking. So... I mean there's positives and negatives to that and Chris will attest sometimes you, like, like the concentrate, and you said add some water yes. you will be required yeah. to bring something of yourself to the game um, but I only see that as a positive thing because I don't want the game I run isn't going to be the game you run and yeah. the game that Chris runs isn't going to be the game yeah. that I run so we need to put our own stamp on it so if you like that that's going to be perfect for you and I think a lot of people do like that especially in the DIY sphere as you would call it um, but then there's obviously there's a market for people who want these big, you know, forgotten realms and frameworks. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, they want that. But I, for me, I just haven't got the time. I've got two kids, I've already got a wife. That takes up enough time. I'm not spending 16 hours prepping for a game, you know. It's just got to be ready to go.
0: So, what do you think to. Um, well, there's a slight difference possibly between British OSI, which uh, Miku had mentioned is a big proponent of, and across the ocean, maybe. There seems to be a little bit more drama across there and a bit more fanaticism about it, I might say. Possibly? Do you, do you see that? Or you guys seem like wholesome, homegrown people who are just doing your own thing? Why aren't
2: you fighting? Clearly you don't know us that well.
0: No, I'm looking for the edition wars of OSR. Where is it?
3: I, I've come out against the black hack on numerous occasions. Yeah. <laughs> <Bloody coughs>
2: shit. It, 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 it's, it's, it's poorly written and the spelling mistakes are atrocious. <laughs> Although I do prefer the early editions.
3: Uh, I think it's... I don't, I don't know if I can make it a British or American thing. I think part of it is because maybe because we all... Like we've had various UK OSR meetups, Yeah. So maybe because we're all close enough to each other that we can plausibly meet up, people just get along. Whereas if someone in America, maybe they're not meeting up with people in the scene the same, that's a bit of a
2: clutching at straws, but... Yeah, I mean, I, th- I guess I suppose you... I mean, you have to kind of put on your armchair psychologist hat. But America is such a... Br- I mean, if you physically look at it geographically... Yeah. Like, Texas is bigger than our entire country, yeah. so everything that we're doing probably shares a similar, oh, I don't yeah. know, I don't know what to call it. It's, it's like the, being
0: a counter-estate in America.
2: Yeah. Because we're all that close together, yeah. exactly. I, I mean, it, uh, a good example, and it's a bit left field, but it's Blackadder. If you could show that to anyone in England, and at some point they're going to giggle at it. You know, whereas you, I don't know, you might not necessarily get that in America. Yeah. So I think that's probably one of those things that sort of ties our entire scene together, is that sort of either familiarity or closeness and maybe just, again just to be clutching at straws it could be to do with the fact that um,
3: we've always had the slight like, distance from D&D Whereas in America, I sure, think D&D yeah, was yeah, like yeah. the gospel in the 70s yeah. and 80s. Did you come up with Warhammer? Yeah, Warhammer. So we came think, up with
1: Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, yeah, is mean, our D&D, right? I didn't yeah. really touch yeah. roleplay
3: games until I was about 21. Yeah. Um, before that, it was Warhammer, Warhammer Quest. A yeah. bit of fighting fantasy. Sure. Um, so I think maybe we haven't got the same. So like the Black Hack and Into are both quite divergent from D&D. Whereas if you look at the American... I was going to say L-O-T-F-P then, but James doesn't even live in America, does he? So no, It's no. a poor example.
2: Well, you'd have to I mean, you'd have to speak to him because it would be interesting culturally where he identifies.
3: Yeah. I'm sure his RPG history is from when he was in America. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. May, maybe it's to do with the, the connection to D&D. is just a bit looser here.
1: Are your games taking a stand against anything? Is there more to it than just rolling dice and beating up skeletons in tombs? Is there a political
3: angle to your games is there any kind of agenda that we don't I wouldn't say political answer? i think one of the this is a really cheesy line but i'm going to use it because someone um asked me a question and i came up with a really bad line of uh with into the art i wanted it to be a game for anyone not a game for everyone so the theory is that mm. any anyone can play it it's not going to be everyone's favorite game it's not going to replace DD as like the number one rpg but the theory is anyone can play it i played it with my 60 year old parents I've played it with uh, friends who've never touched an RPG mm. um, because you just don't need to know anything. It's just, it, I was saying only about Nightmare. Again, yeah. another UK cultural touchstone. Uh, if you've seen Nightmare before, I use that as a description. I'll say, imagine you're on that. And I describe a room and I say, what do you do? And then they say, this is what I do. So yeah. that's what I want my games to be rather than here is here are the mechanics. Here's how you work out spell levels and yeah. here's armor class and all this stuff. And again, like I say, that's some people love that stuff but I wanted this to be something that could, in
2: theory, be played by anyone. That's What? How could you... Because I I feel kind of the same way, and I I don't think there's any sort of agenda. Well, I mean, there's there's obviously design goals for the Black Hack, but there's no real agenda behind it. But how could you put a political agenda inside... Maybe I'm insulated from it, I don't know. Political with a small p, within the hobby itself, I guess,
1: you could see that the DIY is not just an ethos, but it could be seen as a movement. The OSR could be seen as a revolution rather than just a renaissance. You yeah, so try, you could be quite tribal about your goals. So, so if you look
0: at um, the Annies for example, this year, there's quite a lot of Ennies went to small press producers. There's yeah. a lot of excitement about that. I mean, some people were a bit too "this is my movement" right on, so yeah. like Citizen Smith, kind think thing about it. But still, you can see that in um, something that was traditionally, if you weren't Wattsy or one of the big names, you didn't win an any So now, where we are, where like half the awards are going to like small press or people yeah, like that. Yeah. So. Um, not that I'm saying you guys are standard bearers for anybody who wants to sit in the garage and write their own little game or anything like that, but can you see that as more of a movement? And by producing your games, you're then enabling other people to think, you know what, I don't have to be a Watsy. I don't have to like worry about someone else editing my work. I can just write my own game and then you can get somewhere.
2: I think that, I mean, yeah, definitely that's true. I think you've, you've kind of hit the nail on the head there that it's coming. And I suppose it will be cyclical. It will eventually phase out. Eventually, I'm sure it will. Um, but it's definitely reached a stage where through the blogosphere in the early OSR where people were just on their blogs writing their stuff and that's kind of matured and evolved into I don't know if you would call it formal business practices or something like that but just more coherent organised, I'm actually focused on producing a thing that people can go away and take away and do something with as opposed to just you know their, their thoughts on a page so that's definitely an evolution you could track across sort of that scene um, so yeah I mean in terms of the black hack if I were to, if it were a, a small p political thing it would be against games like Pathfinder and against Crunch very sort of pared back very but I don't actually think that that sort of is a judgement or a criticism on those and I think Chris's games are probably the same that we, we both accept and acknowledge that the actual Crunch as we call it yeah. is the imagination is the, the story elements is the fun things and the, the offhand comments that are said at the table that's really what is the crunch for us it's not um... I think one of the best examples is the use of like um, in D&D that some of the things that people remember
3: are the things like the um, Spear of annihilation the um, deck of many things the yeah. immovable rods these things that kind of exist outside the rules flesh to stone stuff like that yeah. exactly yeah. so you can have crunchy interesting decisions and they're the things that computers can't do so if I wanted to play a really detailed combat simulator I could download a strategy game on Steam and have a great time yeah. <clears throat> but I want to know like oh this genie's giving me a wish but I've got to word it really specifically like yeah. a computer game is never going to at this point reach that level of when you all have to sit and it's like right we've got to word this really carefully uh, like we had a, a thing today where um, David and another player's character um, actually got fused together wow. um, so they had That's to sit points. next to each other and if they broke physical contact physically had to touch another player in us, real life in, yeah. real, in actual real life Geeks will love that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it wasn't, it was a uh, Mick Reddick. I think you guys are well, familiar he it with. it too much, but that's yeah. Yeah. If it was anyone yes, other <laughs> than Dave and Mick, I would have not forced them into such an awkward situation. But because I knew they would enjoy it more with than buddies, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I thought that was a safe thing. But yeah, I think it's it's making the most of what RPGs do that other things don't do. So I've seen,
1: uh, sorry guys, uh, I've seen both your games described by other people as great intro games for role playing. I. I don't know if I buy that. I'd be interested to hear what you hear about it. But as a GM, it sounds like you're saying you actually need to have some chops about it. You need to be able to improvise, you need to be able to freestyle,
3: you need to be a creative on the fly. I think, I think it's, it's one of these things where if you learn Pathfinder, say, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with Pathfinder, let's say 4th Edition, because I'm a bit more yep. familiar with that. Um, if you learn 4th p- Edition and you read the books, it's probably quite difficult to run like a really bad game. True. But I think, again, if you are running the Black Hack or Into the Yard... Um, I think if you had no idea what you were doing, and because the guidance is quite terse, yeah. uh, you could potentially have a few pitfalls if we're not careful. I'm sure in our second editions we will uh, reword that to make it more. Re- but I, I think y- y- the difficult second editions. When yeah, you, like
1: it's, it's all think, about hotels and cocaine. Yeah. yeah. When, when you've got the mechanics, <laughs> when you've got the mechanics
3: to fall back on, I think uh, there is an argument to be said for maybe. For certain people, that's a better introduction because they've got something they can cling on to yeah. But yeah. I think it's all about guidance and uh, allowing giving people
2: the freedom to be creative. See, uh, yes. Yeah, so I think sort of it going a little bit further on that, I would say that regardless of what the game is, Pathfinder Fourth Edition, Black Hack, Into the Odds, doesn't matter. You need some chops about you as a GM anyway to run a th- like a really good engagement. Yeah, I, yeah. it, I, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I don't think it matters what you do if you're and this is going to sound bad, and but if you're a bad GM. I don't necessarily... That's, a, again, a, a whole can of worms, but you, you're going to have a bad time anyway. No matter what the system. No matter what the system. But the thing that Pathfinder and 4th Edition, and those sort of games, they'll, they'll let you run a very mediocre game yeah, very exactly. well. You know, everyone might not be having a huge amount of time, there might not be a huge amount of sparks or creativity around the table, but you're going to have a fun time-ish if you like seeing numbers go up and down yes yeah. yeah which everyone loves those numbers going up and down yeah you? there's there, you know there, there are some people that enjoy that yeah yes and that's yeah you've got to and that's the thing is also that that when you were talking about the OSR drama yeah. and the thing and the conflict that's something that I find me and Chris share and sort of talk about a lot is that we're we have all these opinions and we'll talk and stuff to each other but we always come back to that is that if that's what you like crack on man like you can't if that's if that's your bag, yeah. Who are we to poo poo your party? Do you know what it, I mean? It's, it's like... fine
3: to have more than one game in your collection for yeah, different totally. people. Like it's what? like a... <laughs> oh, Did we don't. No didn't you, know, you get the memo? I've, no. got, I've, got, I've got Earth Dawn in
1: 1991. I'd, and the rest of it's just like icing on the cake. Earth
0: Dawn your nothing. I don't know what these guys are on about. <laughs> <laughs> So, where does your, your inspiration come from? Because I think I, you touched on something there. I think when me and Baz walked through uh, into the Odd, for example, yeah. it was that rolling on the table to see that you've got a musket and a budgerigar or something. That's yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. we're, we're the sort of people who like that sprung into our mind about that's great. Yeah. And I think that even stems back to Wofford back in the day, where you were a rat catcher, so You got a small but vicious dog, and it's just that extra yeah. bit of but vicious on it that made it all that more it's interesting. Sorted
3: exactly. hats, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the, um, the the Warmer Fantasy Role Play background table is actually probably the biggest inspiration for me in terms of character creation because like you say every, if you say well oh, I'm a fantasy role play people remember the small but vicious dog people don't remember Mighty Blow or whatever yeah. or like Sleight of Hand maybe Strike to Sun yeah some of these skills mm-hmm. like they were a bit fiddly and they added like 10 or 20% here or there yep. but everyone remembers that dog and I bet everyone that had a rat
2: catcher has a story related to that dog and I would go further and say that then sort of loops back to the point we were talking about earlier of that Britishness that sort of and you, and, you, and you see it in uh, uh, culture and things that we produce, not just us, but just the creators in our country, broad and wide, like, things like The Office and stuff like that. There's a mercurial Britishness of that other people are very keen to capture, and I can see why, of sort of... And it's hard, I can't put my finger on it because it's different for everyone, but a blend of cynicism, yeah. black humour, sort of realism and nihilism and things like that yeah. that is very uniquely British. And I think that's what you'll find running you know if, if our games were sticks of rock you were to cut them in half that's what it would say whatever Absolutely. that is through the middle of it you know and the other british
1: thing is we won't allow tall poppies so don't sell too many of your books guys because otherwise you won't be allowed to talk to us anymore <laughs> yeah sorry so know, yeah so we,
3: i think maybe the next we don't like success right <laughs> the, 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 the most british um, mechanic in into the yard might be that if you roll high ability scores you get worse Stuff. Yes, exactly. So if you end up with like 18s <laughs> across the board, you're going to be disfigured or um, mute or something terrible is going to happen to you. And yeah, it's like you said, the tall poppy thing uh, finally is now an official part of the mechanics in a game. And can you have an initiative system based on like who's the most polite? because it should be a queue shouldn't it not an initiative system that would be good I think that would be really def- there is definitely a reference to queuing somewhere in one of the backgrounds in,
2: Intelli- in Electric Bastion Land the next book I, I uh, think you just spawned an entire like, my mind has just exploded with a, an entire RPG that just goes nowhere because everyone sort of like yeah. shuffles to get through the door before after, you, the RPG. after you no no after <laughs> you yes yeah there you go you heard it first
0: and the further back in the queue you are the more bonuses you get if you let someone go first you get another plus one and the more yeah. people you let go first you never
2: get to use them <laughs> no <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be
0: gauche <laughs> so I think you can apply some of the stuff from your games to other games or like from for even so I've mentioned the small but vicious dog I was running Tales from the Loop this morning and one of the characters I've given a small dog to or actually I just said a hunting dog yeah. now most games that is a small dog and then today for some reason it was like a St. Bernard or something ridiculous or a Newfoundland. Like I don't know where that came from We're just putting Doug on the carriage sheet and we'll give it to the players they decided what that was yeah. so I think there's stuff in tables in your games or other OSR games not just you guys that you can just lift and put somewhere else if you want to play Pathfinder 13 age D&D 5th whatever yeah. you can grab your books and then just start rolling on tables and
2: add that into your session right? Well that's the beauty of what we do um, and even so I'm very my game flies quite close to the mould of Dungeons and Dragons, but Chris's is a little bit, not hugely, but a little bit further away. Yeah, but still, they, they, they fit that mould whereby these parts are to a degree interchangeable. We're talking a shared language initiative, hit points, yeah. hit dice, yeah. strength, dexterity, whatever, you know. So that in itself works. And then when you, you remove yourself from that and you start talking what you want to call air quotes fluff, that just works. And that again is the chops that we we're talking about. You know, if you've got those chops, which I think every good GM worth their salt has, you lift anything from anywhere and, and just apply it and make it work, shoehorn it into your game. Absolutely. If you, you know,
3: if you can't make a, if you can't take a monster from one system and run it, I, I always get really confused when I see people asking for like conversion guides. Yeah. yeah. Because if You're you need the to, conversion yeah, guy, if you, you need you, to convert yeah, the, the, the monster. Guy. Then either there's something wrong with the system or there's something wrong with um, the monster because if, if the monster is iconic enough, like a is a good example. All you need to do is you need to make it a beholder, it can shoot rays, it can do the anti-magic ray from the front, and it's xenophobic and angry, and it's going to flirt around and be evil. You don't, it doesn't matter that it's got 12 hit dice or 13 hit dice. Um, if it moves four squares or yeah. six squares,
2: it's just not a problem. And
3: again, it's, it's the classic one of the, the ones people remember, the Rust monster Gelatinous Cube, the ones that exist outside the rules. Mm. Um, no one remembers the fact that a Hobgoblin has three hit dice instead of two, or something? Is that I, true? I don't know if that's true. I'm going to check. It out, I'm, not, I'm not a scholar of uh, OD&D. Oh, you've shown yourself up now, I have, Beads afraid.
0: of sweat appearing on Chris's face <laughs> right now. <laughs> this guy's flicking through books behind. us the fangirls are going crazy. So you've mentioned quite a lot about GMs and what the onus is on them, and you should have some chops. What about players' chops as well? Like surely it's not all up to the GM just to be the entertainer at the table. Do you think your games require more of the players as well? Whereas perhaps in something like Fourth Edition, for example, you can play it a bit like a board game. You can just like use your stats and your as and when there's, like a, yeah. there's not yeah. a lot but there's not a lot on the character sheet for an OSI style game compared to something like a D&D sure, which has got a list of a stuff
1: drop down menu of this is what I want to do in the round yeah. so you
3: look at your players and what happens when you get that blank look and it goes both ways I think it's in a way it's it's, it's a real sort of a dilemma there because I think again we were playing a game today and I felt I felt like when I was running into the odd day that you get the occasional moments where you can almost tell people are waiting for like an option so, whereas in 4th edition, they might look down and be, oh, I haven't used my daily, or I haven't used this disposable item. Um, so, it, again, it's not it's not a right and wrong situation. But I think my, one of my goals really was to remove things from the character sheet that people are looking at to try and work out. I wanted people to be thinking about the actual situation. And if they were looking at the character sheet, I want it to be like almost they were looking in their backpack, because everything is an item. So... Again, if, if for those unfamiliar with the system, you don't really gain special powers, you gain items that have those powers. Um, so even if you have got something unusual you can bust out, it's at least tied to a physical item that's on your character sheet. Um, but other than that, there's very little to work off. You've got to use the scenario that you're in and the other players for ideas and uh, yeah, just kind of actually
2: problem-solve rather than math-solve. It's a so. I mean, my perspective is it's a social game. So... You're, the GM is dependent on well. And if you want to go really old school, then you call the GM a ref, don't you, or a judge? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so referee, sure, I love that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. you're looking at me and Baz saying if you want to go really old school, oh, yeah. you're no, half no, our age. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. you
2: actually, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's. I mean, that, if you want to if you want to look at it like that, then they're purely there too, like a you know a football referee. They're not playing the game, as it were. They're just impartially adjudicating what's happening. I think it's a bit more than that. You can sort of ban that term, like broaden that term, if you want, but. Interesting things aren't going to happen to the players if the GM hasn't got any chops. And the GM is not going to be able to riff and produce new interesting things if the players don't do interesting things themselves. It's a social game, so it's all about that conversation, the backwards and forwards of ideas and and sort of talking between the players and the GM. The other thing you have to consider is that you get, um, uh, what what would you call it, option blindness, I suppose. Fourth edition, Chris, is a good example. You've got options, so they're my options, yeah, yeah. What, I can't do anything outside the options because they're my yeah. options you strip everything back and you just literally in my game or Chris's game same thing you give them strength decks and that's it then they suddenly have to well what can I do? well you tell me what you ha- can you do yeah. what, what would I actually do if I were in that yeah, situation? exactly so it, so <laughs> I think for us anyway and I'm sure Chris will agree by stripping all that stuff back it then lets us focus on impartially adjudicating and reffing the things that we will then coax out of our players, you know, we'll present them with a scenario and then, you know, you'll always get the first player who has absolutely no idea what they're doing. Oh, what do I do? Well, you sort of, you hand, like any, you know, person to a new sport, you explain the rules to them that you're in a situation. What Tell me what it is you want to do. And you coax it out of them. They'll get used to that. And then it's just a case of using those bare bones to sort of riff backwards and forwards
3: and I think the conversation goes both ways there's nothing wrong with saying to players because if if you truly are impartial then you can almost suggest options and they start to trust you so like you could say well you know you might want to try you could try and run away from this scenario you could try and trip this guy over you can give options but it's it's making it clear that those aren't your only options
2: yeah exactly
1: sure so in my long running 4E game where everybody had a little deck of cards in their hands about the actions they could take after a couple of years of this I added in a card that said do something cool yeah. up until that yeah. point they yeah. didn't even realise that was an option you think this stuff is unsaid and it is unsaid but yeah, it needs a good to be said yeah, really you, yeah. you need to put that into people's hands that you can go off the grid on this one it's absolutely fine as an option
2: especially when it's formulated in such a way I don't want to say formulate like it's a bad thing but it's structured and organised like Monopoly you don't say oh I'm just going to jump four squares ahead because yeah, I've yeah. got the car piece which, in a role-playing game, yeah. might actually be something feasibly a player suggests to you. Oh, I've got the horse and cart, so I'm going to you know, do this or whatever. But because it's that format, because it's presented to players in such a way that you just inherently accept that this is the framework I have to operate in. So if you take the framework away, it would be crippling at first because you just don't know what to do. But once you get the gist of it, once you get the hang of it think you're away and much faster than 4th yeah. edition maybe or something like that.
1: And isn't the unique selling point of all role playing games, there were many things for me back in the day but one of them was you can do anything.
2: Yeah,
3: I
1: mean that is the unique selling
3: point. I think Absolutely. no matter how far we get with computer games simulating it they're never going to be able to um, simulate like, like I can't even remember why it came up but David today wanted to like in the game dip a, dip a finger into the some liquid that he found yeah, and it was yeah, like yeah. which finger do you want to dip yeah. and it's like games are never going to get that kind of level but in a, <laughs> a role playing game it does matter Yeah, um, and it's the that sort of I think uh, I'm not going to quote this correctly Brendan from um I can't remember the name of his name. Well, you're not getting names of people right. Oh, that's ridiculous. No. That's <laughs> <terrible>. <laughs> uh, Brendan S. He goes by on G+. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. won't try and pronounce his surname, but he no, doesn't use it, not. so that's fine. No, so, don't ask uh, me. Brendan S. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he, uh, he, he coined the phrase uh, Tactical Infinity. Yeah. yeah. You can have the credit for it anyway. So the idea being that, like you say, you can you can do anything, and that is the number one, I think, absolute core of the role-playing game, and so what makes them feel different.
0: It's interesting for me, because... I remember playing Temple of Elemental Evil back in the day and I think it's in there, the GM might have added it, it might actually be in the scenario, but there's a chest, and when you put your hand in to get something, like a blade runs across and cuts your hand off. Yeah. And it's all like right, it's in there, there's a ring of wishes, so you wish that you had your hand back and whatever, <laughs> whatever else, if you phrase it correctly. and stuff. Um, but the GM said to me like, well show me what you mean. And I was like, what do you mean? And then did that, and they went, alright, oh, your left hand. And then that was, th- uh, yeah, but that yeah, was the nice. thing, that, and that's I think something that the OSR stuff that people <coughs> talk about, quite often actually me and Baz used to play 30 35 years ago that's stuff we were doing anyway it just didn't yeah. tell you you could yeah, you yeah, just yeah. did it as naturally I yeah. think
2: I think there was a natural evolution uh, from wizards and not just wizards but other games companies to codify to structure and organize their games in such a way that and, I, and I, I won't say why because I don't know why they did that but obviously it was it was it was the players it was the players or something yeah. the market wanted or something they wanted to Come do with the play. game Or because there's the other thing is that when you I suppose it's a commercial enterprise you've always got to put another thing out can't just have that one thing you exactly. know, you know uh, what do they call it eating out on no you know um,
1: drinking your own champagne. No uh, <laughs>
2: like eating breakfast off of something you, you, you're dining out on one thing over and over and over oh, again. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean so turning to the well Yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah so you've got to have something constantly new so there's got to be some kind of evolution. so how do you evolve something that effectively is and I know it's not, but effectively is perfect is this formless thing. How do you? Well, you start bolting bats on, you start yeah. structuring it, you start organising it, and then once you're down that road, you end up somewhere like Fourth Edition, which I thought was a great game. Yeah. But yeah, really, no, yeah. no, I, 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 yeah, I agree with yeah, a this. thing
3: I think um, it's not necessarily my thing, but I think for what it did, yeah,
2: just checking for British
0: sarcasm again,
2: there, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's so dry you don't even know. <laughs> um, but that you end up with something like that, which is quite far removed from this original thing that we're talking about, and then that's why I think then the OSR especially in America started kicking up because we went well hold on yeah turns we out basic
3: had... D&D was pretty good yeah it turns out we already had it yeah, yeah all
2: along, all, all the way along so and then start picking apart the different elements of that so yeah. Yeah. I think you if know. you read
3: the AD&D first edition Dungeon Master's Guide it's almost like reading like Gary Gygax answering a load of letters yeah because yeah. he's like oh well we need to have rules on ropes
0: it probably, probably was Gary Icke answering a lot of letters. Yeah. That's one of the questions he's had. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, it I think that's was, pretty yeah. much
3: what it was. He, he got fed up of answering questions. This isn't kind of canonical, by the way, but I, I imagine it's because he uh, got fed up of answering questions. But you're an you old Lake Geneva player, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go way back there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually was. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> but it is true. There is an ele- there's a massive element of truth to that. I know for a fact that. The guys at TSR got bombarded with letters on a daily basis saying, what is the official answer for fireballs underwater, yeah, yeah. magic missiles round corners, all of that kind of stuff. I don't think those guys actually wanted to do that, but they were pressured no. into it yeah. by the player base. And that player base is bigger than ever now. Yeah. And there is definitely a massive demographic of people who want to know, what is the answer? Which seems like a strange question to ask of a role playing game. Yeah.
2: yeah. There's a Twitter account that I follow and it infuriates me no end, and I do apologise. It's called, uh, and I probably won't actually name it, just to give it a bad yeah, name. It. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's called The Sage Advice of Zoltar or something like that. But it, it, it literally is that fifth edition um, advice and queries. What do, If I've got the one handed shield feat, and I'm a tank paladin with the two handed, things like that, to which I read every single tweet and go, why is this GM not making a call on that at yeah. the table at the yeah. time? I mean, yeah, by all means, write that down in the back of the notebook so then you have your own set of house rules, but why do we need an official word on this?
3: So you'll so teach a man how to fish, you give him, a, you know, give yeah. a man a fish and he's sorry for the day,
2: but teach him how to fish and he'll make his own rules for fishing. Teach a DM to yeah. make his own rulings and you'll end up with the black hack and into the odds yeah. yeah, exactly. sort of thing. I think it was a totally legit way to play
1: back in the day it still is now if that's your bag but don't video games do all of that stuff better if you need a yeah. yes no binary answer to anything you're better off in front of a screen
2: Yeah, yeah. A,
3: if you want to have a jam session yeah. then role playing games are where it's there at right? again, war games, you know, I understand why in sure. a competitive something like Warhammer you've got to know the official answer because it's competitive but at some point the GM is going to have to come up with something so they may as well get used to it So get get them doing it early and often and then they'll they'll be comfortable and they'll just understand that's part of the game. And the players will trust it more as well because if the players are getting official answers for everything and then it suddenly comes to a point where they have to make a ruling from the DM themselves. They'll flounder.
2: They'll yeah. be like, oh, well, that's not really a rule, is it? Because you've just come up with that. you just made that up. Whereas if that's the game... It's interesting, actually, you mentioned Warhammer and that tournament scene. You'll notice... So I just bought my son a copy of the new Age of Sigmar yeah. set, and that's really pared back. That's really, yeah, really, is, really yeah. stripped back compared to some of the old games that I used to play from Warhammer. Um, so even they are obviously, there's a, there must be a broader feeling that... All these very small minutiae aren't actually healthy or conducive to having a fun time, you know?
0: Me and Baz used to work for Games Workshop, and we've got many stories which you won't bother with now, but, <laughs> but one of them was we met up for a pint and played some games. Or, yeah, it was some games. There's some guys next to us in Warhammer World in Nottingham playing a historical game, and they argued for our entire game about this bridge and whether how many men could get on it. And we'd literally played the entire game of Warhammer, and finished, and went back to Bugmans for a pint of beer, and they were still arguing about this bridge. It's like how, I don't know how that's fun. I mean, if it is
2: cool, but um, some people must enjoy that. But I'm there; they've got to be the minority, though, haven't they? It can't be fun oh, for yeah, everyone. They might feel compelled to do it rather than enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. Knows. Yeah. So yeah,
3: it feels
0: like an old school way of being right on the internet. That we're going to stand there and argue it until someone said we were right. Yeah, uh,
2: I think you're probably right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right.
0: So how do you find? Uh, new gamers, obviously, you guys are a little bit younger than us, maybe you know one or two years younger. Um, so <laughs> Thank people...
3: God for audio; <laughs> no, no. they can't see us. So, for... yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we're in our mid twenties. Uh... I'm,
0: I'm quite good at Photoshop, so I'm going <laughs> to age you terribly. Mid
2: twenties twice now. <laughs> <laughs> Every birthday, I twenty twenty nine.
0: Right. Second time around. So, how are you finding new people getting into the game? Because it seems like what you were saying is that players need telling what's going on. Um, a little bit, do you know what I mean? Like when we were younger, we were kind of all in it together, even though you sort of like thrust the book at one guy went, Well, you're the GM now. The sort of games you're talking about feel a little bit more like the experiences you're having, or there's some guy who's like, No, I'm going to run this, and then everybody else is taking on that journey. Is that what you experience? Or do you find that people swap around that rule book and take turns? But it feels like your experience of gaming seems to be a bit more like there's definitely some guy who's like, going to run this game and then there's the other
2: people as well yeah me usually it's, uh, it's, 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 that is a that it's a hard question for me to answer because i'm so biased because I, i'm writing my own games I'm, I'm always the one delivering the experience to other people very rarely which is nice today that's why i come to dragon me rarely do i get other people to play games or run games sorry for me which is what i've done this morning it's, it's a joy to have chris run a game for me um, so it's, it's real hard. I can only speak to my experience of introducing new players into my groups.
0: So the, the only joyful thing about Chris's games is that you didn't have to run it. Is that what you're saying? Or? Oh,
2: no, no, no. No, that's, that's not <laughs> true. Yeah, you just <laughs> sat back and uh, took it all in. There was nothing <laughs> joyful about Chris's games. <laughs> um,
3: and I think I, I'm in a similar position where if I get a chance to run a game for Friends, I've got something that I want to test out yeah. for the next book or something. So um, I'm always pretty much running it. But one of the things I want to do for... Um, Electric Bastion Land is, as a test, I want to give it to either one of my um, one of my friends or possibly my girlfriend who hasn't actually run a game before wow. and say, I'm not going to tell you anything, just take this, and then next Friday we'll try and play a game and are you happy to run it and just see what happens? Because the dream is that I want it to be something... I don't think anyone is going to stumble upon it as their first ever RPG because it's so obscure. Yeah. But I like that, in theory, someone could give it to someone. So if, say, David... Uh, had a friend who was interested in role-playing games uh, and he didn't want to give them the black hack for various reasons. He might want to buy Into the Yard and give it to them and i like to think that they could pick it up and run it. Yeah. And I really want to try a test of that just to see how it would work because I am very biased because I've only ever really run it myself and
2: seen it run by experienced gamers, to be honest. My assumption, and I, I, know, I very well could be wrong, but what I would think is probably it would just speak to that old experience that we all have, like exactly you were saying. You'd pick up this book, didn't actually know how to play it, so you just you read some of it and went, oh, okay, so we make some characters, all right, well, do that, and then uh, there's a bit about combat, okay, and you'd muddle your way through it and just come up with your own game. The benefit, I suppose, we have is that our game's a loose framework enough to accommodate that, whereas if you were trying to do that with Pathfinder, it wouldn't, well, yeah. it would work, but it wouldn't be the, exper- the very specific honed experience that Pathfinder or Paizo want to give you.
3: Yeah, I'd be really interested to see someone's fir- if someone's first game was Pathfinder and they picked it up. I'd be really interested to see how that went as their first game. Because my first game, my first proper RPG really, if you're not counting a little bit of dabbling in Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, was D&D 3rd Edition and i think i picked that up and i couldn't believe how much stuff i had to go through to to run the game and like balance encounters and stuff because i didn't really know yeah. much different
0: yeah i play quite a bit of netrunner and uh, 2015 when i was there i met a guy who's like oh i like cyberpunk games and stuff i'm going to try yeah. something and after the event he posted on the forum so sort i of said oh yeah i'm going to run the uh, shadowrun fifth edition and straight i was like oh for the love of god no <laughs> like it's like 500 and odd pages but they picked it up and ran it and had a great time with it so like yeah. That it confounded my expectations, but like, I'd much rather people have access to a quick start, even if you've got a bigger book, or something like you guys, yeah. right, to just get you going in the first place. Sure, it's a
2: great game that I've been, uh, and I'm sure everyone knows about it. The X-wing miniatures game. We've just picked yeah, it up yeah, in the yeah. office, yeah. started playing that with some of the people who are uh, reconnecting with their love of miniatures and nerdy stuff. Obviously, I'm their conduit. Um, and what's great about that is that there's a very, very simple. Two, I don't know how many pages it's one, two, or three pages. Where it, you literally get the ships on the, the board and start playing, just rolling some dice, measuring some things, no complica- none of the additional guff or anything like that, and which is good, I, I like it, but it's so um, sort of precise and precision in its like, experience that it wants to deliver to you without any complication that you get it going straight away. You instantly get those core mechanics. In our case, it would be, you know, rolling or to hit. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so once you've got that, then you've got an excellent foundation. So that's what I'd like to see more of with those bigger sort of structured games. It's like sort of gateway one or two pages. And I'm sure they probably already are out there, but I just haven't experienced them. But that yeah. would be good. I think with RPGs, the core mechanic doesn't even have to be our roll to hit. I
3: was saying today when I run into the other, I sometimes forget to include like combat yeah. things so um, today because I was playtesting some stuff I kind of inserted a few things that I knew were there to fight but I've had things before where I've run a playtest for two hours and I've finished and I'm like oh I haven't actually used any of these mechanics because yeah. it's just been like oh there's a big puddle of jelly and like I poke it with a with a stick and then just weird things happening that you're kind of making up rules for So I think, I think both of your
1: games and I mean this in the nicest sense possible they read like board game instructions absolutely. which is by page two you are ready to play yeah, yeah. And I think that's really good. And the bits that are missing are the bits that you expect the people to make up. Which is coming full circle in our discussion, but board gaming rule books are a real lesson in how to get the game to the player yeah. in less than a month. Yeah, who yeah. would pick up Shadowrun 5th and get a game out of that? I love Shadowrun, but
2: who would do that? That seems like a crazy way to do it. You've always. It seems like, and this is the same thing with 3.5, because I never really played that, and Shadowrun and stuff like that played With groups or been introduced with it, there's always a contingent of hardcore players that have a high level of system mastery. Yeah, how would you? And I, it's an honest question if anyone can tell me, how would you, you know, with a bunch of newbies, pick up a uh, you know, Pathfinder with all the splat books or Shadowrun 5th edition? How would you do that? I don't yeah. think it's possible, right? Yeah. And I think so. the
3: comparison with board games is interesting because in board games, a 30 page rule book is pretty thick
2: pretty yeah like I mean there, I've, yeah.
3: I'm not into like mega mega deep board games but I've got some sort of like like uh, Uwe Rosenberg games like Caverna things like that that are quite heavy um, but I'm sure that rule book is less than 20 pages whereas if you give someone an RPG that's 20 pages long they're like oh it's a rules light system is it um, but yeah. if you stuck a 300 page book in a board game people would be absolutely befuddled by it
2: yeah when you, when you sort of talk back to the, the original talking points we were, we were saying is that the core mechanics of role playing games is making shit up
3: yeah. so why
2: do you need a big rule book to tell you how to do that really you just need a bunch of systems that when things do get you know oh I say it should happen this way and you say it should happen that way you want a set of systems that pass those results fairly and adjudicate them and beyond that I don't think you need anything more it's happy if, you know happy for you if you want more but we're on the edge of getting political here i think with a small Ooh. p small p that's what they're trying to do to us ah <laughs> uh, <laughs> sneaky, Slagging sneaky. Pathfinder, that's the first step <laughs> no but that yeah, i mean that's you have to again and i and i sort of said this earlier but pathfinder is a good game it's very well made it's got brilliant production values there is a place for it and i can see why people would get a lot of joy out of it but it's just not just doesn't fit my sensibility yeah, at the moment. When I was sort of um, again, I think I picked up third edition
3: when I was maybe sixteen, seventeen, and you know maybe then it would have been the right game for me. Yeah, um, or maybe even a bit younger when I had like even less concern in my life. Yeah, yeah.
2: But um, yeah, I've got I've got no time to be. Learning a three hundred page robot now. Didn't A D and D go that way? With like um, armor proficiencies and things like that I don't know, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. It started to, didn't it? Don't get me started. That's oh, another no, podcast. A
3: oh, book that I actually picked up recently, I picked up two of them, I got them second hand, was um I, you may you may be familiar with these like The Wilderness Survival Guide yes, and are. the Dungeoneer Dun- 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 Survival, Survival Guide. Absolutely. And the Wilderness Survival Guide has some I was absolutely increases when I found this page. Um, I think I posted it on G Plus and it was um, hail Hailstone damage. Yeah, I mean, so it was like you take D4 damage at the hailstones, and it had different categories of hailstones for like half an inch, one inch, two inch. We'll refer you to another table if you roll high enough. Yeah, and there's like wind chill and things like that, and like who wants to play that game where you you go out and you die because of hail?
2: I can I mean I can understand if it's a comedy game, perhaps. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. The black <laughs> comedy that we sort of talk about. Because yeah. that is the sort of thing I can imagine having in a sort of yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. in the back. Of but in your but, games it'd be one D6 things that are falling out of the sky that are cold. Exactly, yeah. Right. <laughs> but, well I think even more importantly, that if we decided that that was the turn of events that was going to happen that moment, we wouldn't Chris and I wouldn't instantly reach for a rule book yeah. to tell us how many D4 to roll for a hailstone. We'd just yeah, we, the, the interesting to handful, handful of, is. of dice and drop them on the yeah. player's character and go there you go, yeah. die. You know, <laughs> so it's it, it's kind of a it's, it's an approach, it's a a mindset, just to and it speaks back to just DIY, do it yourself. We're happy and we're confident in our skills or yeah, exactly. To just have a crack, even if we don't get it right, because we never will get it right one hundred percent of the time. And you'll get there eventually, you? Yeah, I know I will. Thank you under your tutelage. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what do you think about um, the current state at the minute? There seems to be a lot of people that are uh, doing actual play on video and stuff like that. So that's something that FFG do really well as well. If you want to pick up, you know, play spaceships or you want to, like, play network or something like that, yeah. there's videos that show you how to do it in real life. And there's tons of stuff out there for D&D at the minute. It seems to be getting a lot of support. Is that something you guys could see yourselves doing as this is how you play our game? Or your ethos still seems more about I'm going to give you this book, you just fucking go away and do what you do
3: your thing. I mean, I think it's right, a good idea. If I had the means of video production, I would certainly... I think that's an interesting resource. That's a useful resource to have, just to be able to point someone to this three-minute video and this is, how you, this is how you run the game, this is how you play the game. So there's a lot of good GM guide things going on. So Ben Milton, Questing Beast, is a channel that I can definitely recommend. Um,
2: but David, being with your background in video, you should be the key person to answer this. Yeah, I mean, I see that as... So yes, you are right, it is, it's a really good thing and it's nice to see it happening, but I don't see it as anything unique to the fact that it's role-playing games. I just see people on screen with great chemistry talking or doing whatever it is They could be playing a role-playing game, it could be Gardner's Question Time. It really doesn't matter what the subject matter is that these people are doing on screen. It's because, you know, and, and I think that, and I'll get back to that, but that's why... Some games work and some games don't around tables. It's, it's all about the chemistry. So people will always turn up and watch funny, handsome, interesting people be funny, interesting, handsome, which is exactly the reason that they're tuning into this podcast right now. They can't <laughs> yeah. see us, but it, but I think that is but the reason. Power why. of
1: the imagination, thank goodness.
2: Yeah, there you go. Yes. however yeah, exactly. Robyn. <laughs> <laughs> handsome voiced people. <laughs> I mean, maybe that is. Maybe that is. You know, I don't. I don't know if the OSR is or DIY is a couple of steps behind, but maybe that's something that we will. Eventually catch up as a scene start doing, then maybe it might be a bit too late. Who knows? Um, but certainly with the sort of the uh, the production value framework that the wizards are able to bring, um, it, it's, it makes really compelling entertainment. You know, so that's quite good. The one that I particularly enjoy is Harmon Quest yeah. by Dan Harmon, because um, that sort of mimics a lot of the things that I find in my games, which isn't necessarily these big sweeping character stories and epics, although we do have those but it's a bunch of guys around the table shooting the shit, having a laugh, which that's what I connect with emotionally, that that I recognise that. So, I don't know, we'll have to see. Maybe there's, you know, maybe that is the jumping off point for the next wave of... OSR content, you heard it here first. We could be the take that of video OSR We've definitely got the looks right? for it. You'd be, you be Gary Barlow, right? Or the manager. <laughs> I always look
1: like I've come to pick my daughter up from the disco. So <laughs> that's my face.
0: Okay, well, thanks very much, guys. It's oh, been great content. talking to you. And uh, maybe one day you'll run a game for us online and then we can provide this content to people.
3: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. No, no. <laughs> yeah, kind of of
1: Solid. Uh, world, yeah, yeah. solid confirmation there. Brilliant. <laughs> Failed your Did, check again, guys.
0: Didn't see the fear in his eyes on listening as Well, I'll try and recreate it for you. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank see you. Thank you. Thank you. That
1: was fantastic. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Thank